this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Proverbs 13, verse number 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise. Now there's a nugget for us, guys, right there. You want to be wise, then walk and hang out with wise men. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. And so you got a choice here, guys. When we walk with the wise, we'll be wise. But when we run with the the companions of fools, you know what the fruit of our life will be? It'll be destruction. I don't care who you are. Listen to what the message says right there in verse number 20. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Now that can happen to every one of us. You know, my brother used to always say this to me. He said, you run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. How many of you have ever been bit? I've been bit numerous times in my life because of that. Now let's go back into the New Testament, into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want you to see what the Apostle Paul has to say about some things. God wants us to be wise, guys. There's no, no doubt about it. To follow him and many of the issues of our life, guys, is a direct result of who I allow into my life because they rub off on me. And so you run with a bunch of rebels. You know what the fruit of a rebel is? Rebellion. You run with the rebels. You're going to experience rebellion in your life. I don't care who you are. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Begin with me in in verse number 33. Do not be deceived. Do not be misled. Evil company or evil association corrupts good habits. It corrupts good character. It corrupts good morals. So once again, the Word of God is very clear that a piece of the puzzle in our life is who we associate with, who we run around with. Verse 34, awake to righteousness. One translation says, come back to your senses and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. And so when I don't live by the knowledge of God, listen guys, I'm ignorant of the things of heaven. The the prophet Hosea said, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. So me and you as believers, we don't have the luxury to be ignorant to the things of God. He ends with this and he says, I speak this to your shame. In other words, you know better. Many times we know better and so our lives are influenced by one of two things. They're influenced by what we believe and the people we associate with. Now, when it comes to even what I believe, guys, I can't compromise what I believe. In other words, you get around wrong people, they'll begin to try to get you to compromise what you believe. And my believing, guys, needs to be based on the Word of God. Now, how do people influence even my believing? Well, look over there to to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And the Apostle Paul adds some other things here that I believe is important that we see this. Starting in in verse number 14, and it says here, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
Now, a lot of times when we read that passage, we read it in a marriage content. And we'll say, man, don't marry someone that's not a believer. Well, that's true. I'm going to tell you, you marry someone that's not a believer, it's going to cause some issues in your life. And many times people have the thought, well, if I marry them, I'm going to change them. Not. It's usually not going to happen, okay? But when we read, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, I believe that's in every arena of our life. I don't need to be friends with people that don't believe the way I do, don't believe in the things of God, because what's going to happen is they'll begin to influence you. Now, keep reading here because this gives us great insight. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord is Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, listen to this, come out from among them and be separate. Now, when I get born again, guys, I shouldn't act like the world. He tells me, come out from among them. Be separate. Now, I'm not, I'm not called not to influence the world, but there's a season in my life until I become strong spiritually, I can't go around other people. But you can go back and look in the Old Testament and the New Testament, even with King David, guys, for several years of his life, he ran with the worthless and the wicked. You know what that tells me? You know what David was saying? I'm going to influence them. They're not going to be influencing me. Now, there was a time in my life, guys, that I'd gotten born again, and I still had the thought, I was going to go around my buddies and I was going to influence them. I'm going to go to the bars and get them born again. Well, you know what they'd do? They'd get me drunk instead. I'm just being truthful to you. And so I figured out for a while, I can't be around those guys at all. I can't go near them. And so, like many of you, I had to break my addiction. You know what I was addicted to? Stupid people. And I'm telling you, when you're addicted to stupid people, it's going to get you in trouble. I don't care who you are. But now in my life, I can go around any of those guys. You know what? They're not going to influence me. I'm going to influence them. And so this is kind of what he's talking about. Be separate and come out from among them. Do not touch as what is unclean, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, part of that is kind of difficult to understand. So I'm going to read that same passage in the message translation. Listen to what it says in the message. Do not become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not a partnership, that's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are. Each of us a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I will live in them, move into them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now listen close to this. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. 
I will be a father to you. You'll be sons and daughters to me. The word of the master God. Now this becomes a choice, guys. Is it easy to get away from people maybe you've been around with your whole life, friends? No, it's not always easy. But I found out if I'm going to live for God, I've got to be around people that are going to push me toward the things of the kingdom. Turn over one more book to the book of Galatians chapter 5. I want to give you one more before we jump back into the Old Testament. Galatians 5, verse 7. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. So you know what he's telling you? Anybody that leads us away from the truth or obeying the truth, that's not God. It's not God. So who's trying to persuade you not to live by the truth, to live by the word of God? Now, in life, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be around people that will cause me to progress toward God or I'm going to be around people that will cause me to regress. This is exactly what he's talking. Verse number 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now look what he said. Pay real close attention to that. This is Apostle Paul speaking. He said, a little leaven. He didn't say a big amount of leaven. He says just a little, a smidgen, just a tiny bit will mess up the whole lump. You know, in a Song of Solomon, it says it's those little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things. And in this, this same passage is referenced in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6. It says the same thing, except it says, purge out or clean out those things that aren't right. So this is even when people I'm around, i got to get even ones that cause me to sin just a little bit out of my life. Now go back to verse 7, because I want you to see something here. Paul says, you ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now look real close there. He said, who hindered you from not obeying the truth? He didn't say, what hindered you? He said, who hindered you? So I ask you that question right now. Who's hindering you right now from obeying the truth? See, there's two types of people. There's people that will lead you to the spiritual things, and there's people who lead you to the flesh. One will build you up, one will tear you down. One will cause you to have a lot of life and energy, the other one will literally drain you. But this becomes a choice. So when, when life comes around, there are people that bless your life when they enter your life, and there's people that will bless your life when they exit your life. Proverbs 27.6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know who a true friend is? A true friend is someone that'll tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And I thank God when I was 17 and 18, guys, I had a true friend like that. And he would tell me not what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear. And he would say, you can't do this. No, you can't do it. You're not living for God. Don't do that. And I'd get so mad at him, guys. I'd get furious. But you know what I knew? Number one, that he loved me. Number two, he was telling me the truth. And number three, I couldn't whip him. I wanted to. I really did. And those times in my life, I was capable of picking up a baseball bat. I promise. I mean, I'd swing. But I knew he loved me. 
That's why it's important. I get around people. You get around people that sometimes, you know what? The, the word of God, the truth, is annoyingly accurate. In other words, sometimes the word of God will just hit me right in the heart, and I think, oh, my gosh. Am I living by the truth? Now, go back with me into the Old Testament to the book of Ruth, chapter 2. Ruth, chapter 2. In saying that, guys, throughout the Old Testament, the great men and women of, of the Bible, they always had mentors. Elisha had Elijah. Joshua, he had Moses. And you know what that was? To help them. To tell them, this is what you got to do in life. Every one of us needed great mentors. People, men, women, that'll lead us to God. That'll help us and say things, okay? Now, in this passage here, what I'm wanting to show you the rest of the morning is we need a thing called character discernment. We need to understand about kingdom character. And I want you in these next few minutes to look at the character that Ruth and this man named Boaz had. And I want you to ask yourself, do I have that same type of character? And number two, do the people I run around with, do they have this type of character? Now, when Ruth starts out, guys, she didn't have nothing. She didn't know God at all, but she followed the plan of God. She had to leave Moab. She had to leave her past, and when she did, guess what God did? When you follow the plan of God, God will put you in the right place at the right time. When they come back into Bethlehem here where we're picking up, it was the season of barley harvest. God knew what he was doing. He orders the steps of the righteous. Chapter 2, verse 1. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Now, when you look right there, guys, it says he was a man of great wealth. There's a reason he was a man of great wealth. And I believe scriptures will begin to show us some things about him. And you'll begin to see a man that loved God and his character will show it. Verse 2. So Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I might found favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Elimelech. If you notice there, it says she happened to. That didn't happen by accident, guys. When you serve God, God is going to order your steps. But there's a couple things in those two verses that I want you to see. Number one, Ruth was not lazy. Ruth understand, I got to do something. And if it means starting out gleaning in the field, I'm going to do it. She didn't wait for life to happen. She said, you know what? I'm going to make life happen. And a couple things in here. Ruth, guys, was not self-centered. It wasn't just about Ruth. Ruth said, you know what? I'm going to take care of my mother-in-law. Now, I believe this more and more in my life. What I make happen for other people, God's going to make happen for me. And it may not be next week, next month, next year. You do what's right, and God's going to take care of you. You know, for 20 years of my life, I served in my brother's church, and I served, and I served, and I served, and I served. And you know what? The very things I did for him and his church, God's made happen for me. 
Now, it didn't happen on my timetable. It may not happen on yours, but guess what? God is faithful. And so what happens really right now in our society, we live in what I like to call the me society, the me generation. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all, no, it's not about me. This will show you the character of Ruth. Do you run with people that are self-centered? Because if you do, it's going to wear off on you. It's going to rub off on you. Keep reading. Verse number 4. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the workers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him and said, the Lord bless you. Now this, these two verses right here, guys, they showed me the reason I believe that Boaz was such a wealthy man. In Jewish custom, they were told, when it comes to harvest, you do not harvest the corners. You keep the corners for the poor that they can come in here and be blessed. Listen, he didn't have to do that. But you know what he said? I'm going to honor what God's asked me to do. And anytime I honor what God asked me to do, God pays a close attention to it. Number two, he allowed the poor to come into his field. In other words, he took care of the poor. He looked after the poor. You know what the third one is? I saw right here. He wasn't only good to the poor. He was good to the people that worked for him. He said, man, I want to bless all. So you begin to see a characteristic of this man named Boaz. Boaz was a giver. He gave. Listen, are you a giver? Do you have that character within you? Or do you run with people that aren't givers? I like to run with people that are givers. And it stirs me up. It helps. And so life's going on here. And Boaz begins to take notice of this lady named Ruth. Same chapter, verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. He was watching out for her. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. And so he was good to her. He wanted to take care of her. Now look at some of these characteristics right here in this woman named Ruth. So she fell on her face and bowed down on the ground. She fell on her face and she bowed down on the ground. Now, there's a couple nuggets in there that the Lord really began to impress on me. One is this. To bow down to anybody, it takes humility. It takes a person who's, who's not prideful. In 1 Peter 5, it says, God blesses, he graces the humble, but he resists the proud. You begin to see a heart right here in this woman that says, you know what? I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to bow. Now, let me ask you, are you humble? Are you prideful? Do you run with people that are humble? Or do you run with people that are prideful? Because listen, when he talks about the prideful, God says, I resist them. So a lot of times the things that are happening in our lives may not be what I do. It may be based on what the people are doing that I associate with. The second thing I saw there is she was a woman of honor. God is big on honor. When we honor what God says to honor, he'll bless you. Now listen, Ephesians 6, 
It says, children, honor and obey your parents. For it's the first commandment with promise. That it'll be well with you and long on this earth. That never leaves us as long as our parents are here on the earth. That becomes a choice. But here's the thing. Do I honor my mother and father? Here's another thing I want to point out to you. Do the people you're running with, do they honor their mother and father? Why is that such a big issue? Well, remember what I said? That the Lord said, when you honor your mother and father, it will be well with you. So if you're running with people that don't honor their mother and father, it's not going to be well with them. And guess what? You're one of their friends. So you know what I've done? I've now opened myself up to that. Let's take it a little farther. For a, a covenant marriage to make it, there must be honor in both parties. The husband must honor the wife and the wife must honor the father. But listen, guys, some of you after work, you go around and hang out with guys that don't honor their wife. They talk a bunch of crap about their wives. And before long, you wonder what's happening to you. We got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Same thing with some of you ladies. You go after work with other ladies you work with that don't honor their husbands. And I'm going to tell you, before long, that crap's going to jump off on you. It's going to get after you. And so once again, this is some characteristics that I begin to see in Ruth. And I think, no wonder why God blessed her life. No wonder why God blessed Boaz. See, the blessings of God, when they come after us, they're not coincidental. It's because of choices. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. So I begin to see all this, and I thought, this is a woman that chose life. And look what goes on to say. She fell down on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? What is favor, guys? Favor special approval. Favor to me, the best definition I can find for favor, it's the hand of God upon your life. Psalm 512 says, He blesses his righteous." And his favor surrounds you like a shield. Now guess what? I can, I can quote Psalm 5, 12, over and back and forth, up and down, sideways. I can quote it three times a day. Thank you, the favor of God's upon me. But the favor of God begins to kick into my life, not when I confess it, but when I live for God. You live for God. You know what one of the byproducts of living for God is? Favor. Favor. Favor on a home, favor on a job, favor with co-workers. And so this is what happens. She begins to see favor on her life. And, and he goes on to say this, and you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner. This is significant that we get this, guys. This woman named Ruth had three strikes against her. She was a woman, she was from Moab, and she was a widow. I don't care how many strikes you have against you, okay? I don't believe God cares how many strikes you have against you. When you make the choice in your life to say, you know what? I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to follow God. God begins to work. Things begin to happen. See, the things of God in my life or your life, they're not coincidental. They're because I've made the choice to serve God. And when you serve him wholeheartedly, just like in her life, he's going to bless you. 
Verse 11. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Now, I believe that, that Boaz began to take notice of Ruth and it was because of these things in this verse. You know what he saw? She's not selfish. She's going to do what's right. Once again, what I make happen for other people, God's going to make happen for me. He noticed that. And then look what he goes on and says. And how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to the people who you did not know before. So you know what he's saying? You chose God. You preferred God over your family, where you're from. This began to get his heart. And he ultimately speaks this over and he says in verse 12, The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. God's no respecter of persons. But number one, I've got to leave Moab. You know what Moab is? That's the world, guys. Number two, I've got to follow God's plan for my life. And number three, when you begin to do that, God will put you in the right place at the right time with the right people. Now go to chapter four, and we'll try to wrap this up. So what goes on here, guys, is Boaz finds out about Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, and ultimately, you know what he does? He, he buys them back. He redeems them back. Boaz was like a type of Christ. So look what happens here in verse number 10 of Ruth 4. But moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malan, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through the inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren from the position at the gate you are a witness this day. I believe her heart and her character got it. Verse number 11. Now listen to these verses real close here. This was what the people spoke over Ruth. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. You know who these two were? They were the wives of Jacob. These two women were the very ones that the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel came through. And they begin to speak this over this woman, these blessings. And ultimately they say that you may prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. In other words, God is going to exalt you to a position of prominence. You know why? Because you served him. You lived with some character. And he goes on to say in verse 12, May your house be like the house of Perez, whom tomorrow bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from the young man. Now what was going on here, guys, is they were basically prophesying over this woman named Ruth. And they were saying, this is what's going to happen in your life. Now look what happens in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. I believe this, guys. Boaz wasn't looking for a wife. And I don't believe Ruth was looking for a wife. I believe they were just doing life. Just serving God. Just saying, we're going to follow God all the days of their life. And because both of them had a heart for God, 
They connected. It began to happen. They drew to each other because of just serving God. See, some of you are looking for a Boaz in the wrong places. You're not going to find a Boaz in the nightclubs. You're not going to find a Boaz in the bars. You know who you're going to find? A dumbass. A lazy ass. A stupid ass. And some of you just lost your salvation. We're talking about Boaz, okay? No, my point in that, guys, is I got to serve God. You got to serve God. And I believe if you'll just continue to serve God, God will bring the right people into your life. You know, the thing that attracted me to my wife is her heart to serve God. She had to, to, to give up some things. It cost her. She had to give up some friends. But that's what drew me to her at a young age because both of us wanted to serve God together. It's like even you young ones that were at, at desperation last week. Remember the one guy who, who, who had the dramas and stuff and he talked about the guy who became very popular on the football team. And he got his heart born again and he gave it to Jesus and, and the Lord didn't want him to quit the football team, but you know what he wanted him to do? He said, I want you to emphasize or be the influence of the team. It's the same with the cheerleader, the band, whatever you're in. God doesn't want you to quit what you're doing. He just wants you to become the influencer and to do that, it's going to cost you something. You know what it's going to cost you? Your friends. It may cost you your family just like Ruth. And so you read this next verse here and it says that Ruth became pregnant and she had a little boy. And the genealogy of Ruth went on for over 600 years. And it lands, and that's where I'm going, I'm going to the book of Matthew chapter 1. It lands in a real interesting place. Let me read this to you. Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus, the family tree of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zarah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Abinadab, and he begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed. By Ruth? Wait just a minute. So the very bloodline of Jesus Christ goes through this woman named Ruth. Once again, you live in the right place at the right time with the right people, it'll be a life of significance. And what you begin to see here, guys, is a woman that wasn't even Jewish. A woman from Moab. It would be like a person from Roswell. <laughs> Sorry. And a lot of times we look and we think, how could God ever use me? How could God ever? I'm from Moab. I've got all these strikes against me. But guess what? 
when we follow the plan of God for our lives and we give him our whole heart and we begin to serve him, he begins to order our steps and he leads you to the right people. You know, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay? Don't settle. Don't settle, okay, for anything in your life. Just say, you know what, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. Proverbs 3, verse 5, or 3 through 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll order your steps. He'll direct your steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And so I want you to see all this right here, that there's so much of the ingredients we play. Do I, do I give my heart to Jesus? And that's number one. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, God can't move in your life until you make that choice. Well, I'm just going to wait till God saves me. Well, guess what? You're going to live and die before he does that. Because God gives us the invitation and he says, you must choose. The Bible's very clear that God desires no one to go to hell. But guess what? People are going to go to hell. You know why? They've rejected Jesus. You've got to make that. God will not force you to go to heaven. But something happens when I give my heart to Jesus. And I remember being 20 years old. Being a mess, being discontented with everything in life that I thought would bring happiness to me. And when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, things begin to happen. There begin to be a change. Such a significant change that people say, what happened to you? See, that's what God wants to do for you. Stand on your feet with me. I can't make that decision for you guys. I can pray for you. But you're never going to walk in the things of God until you first get born again. If that's you today, listen, just being very reverent right now. You say, man, I need Jesus in my heart. Or number two, maybe you've given Jesus your heart before, but you sure hadn't lived for him. You've run from him, and at times you've said, God, where are you? Where, you know what God's saying? I'm here. I'm here. I'm just waiting for you. If that's you today and you need Jesus or you need to come back to Jesus, I want you to come down here. Just be bold. We're going to love you. We love people around here. And so if you're saying, I need Jesus, I need him. I need it. Just come on down. Just be real bold and say, that's me today. That's me today. I believe God's been dealing with some of your hearts. See, until you do this, guys, you're going to live in Moab. Nothing good's in Moab. Number two, the plan of God. Not my plan, but God's plan. How many of you have ever tried to figure out everything in life? Well, if I do this, if I do that, if I, if I did just won the lottery. See, that's our problem in life. We try to figure everything out instead of allowing God to do it. How do I allow God to do it? I just keep surfing him. I get around him and, and I hunger for the things of God. You know, the Bible in the New Testament over and over says the just shall live by faith. We're called to fight the good fight of faith. We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Actually, with the woman with the issue of blood that Amy re referenced in our praise and worship, Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. So if the cry of the New Testament is faith, 
we better start preaching faith. And we better start understanding faith. And we better start living by faith. And the only way faith comes is by hearing the word of God. And so I'm going to tell you guys, we've got to get stirred up with faith. Let me ask you this today. How many of you struggled with the people in your life? Some of you struggled, you struggled, you struggled and say, Pastor, I, I can't leave them. I can't leave them. I'm going to tell you right now. If you don't leave them, you're going to start experiencing some of the stuff you don't want to. And I'm not saying that from my head. I'm saying that from my heart. If you've had difficulty breaking up with people, being dominated by them, and you know in your heart, man, every time I get around, Judy attitude man, I get my rear kicked. You know that. You know what? We can pray with you. We'll join with you. You'll, you'll be strong in the Lord. You'll be strong in the Lord. That's you today and you want prayer? Come on down. Any of these things, just come on down. God loves you. You know, I can tell you right now, there's not one person in here right now that is serving God that hadn't had to give up friends. It's not one person. I had guys, man, I'd gone to school with since I was first grade that I told them, no more, boys, no more. And they laughed, they laughed, they laughed. And for many years of my life, I couldn't get around them because I'd go ahead and fall back into my ways. But on the 4th of July this year, I was with my brother over in Clovis. And one of my best friends that I had to break up with, I knew where he worked and we were in that vicinity. I told my brother, I said, I'm going to go next door and see if I can find this guy. And when I walked in, there he was. And he got up and he came running and he hugged me. And he said, man, you don't know what this means to me that you'd come by and see me. So I started encouraging because he still didn't have no life. You know, you can be alive but not have any life in you. So we talked for about 10, 15 minutes and we walked back over where my brother was. And he said this to my brother. He said, this is the greatest gift I could have on the 4th of July. It's your brother to come by and see me. And I realized at that moment right there that he understood. I loved him and God loved him. And I was able to speak into his life right there. Say, Mike, you got to give your heart to Jesus. You got to give your heart to Jesus. I just want to pray for these guys. Just bow our head here. Lord, we love you this morning. Just all the different people that are represented right here this morning of different ages but Father God I pray right now that Jesus you become Lord of, of their lives listen church let's all pray this today okay say dear Heavenly Father I come to you as a sinner and Lord I'm sorry for the things I've done I ask you to come into my heart. And Jesus, be Lord of my life. Revive me with all that you are. I ask you to help me to live for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, every one of us in this room just gave our heart to Jesus. You got to believe that you're saved. But listen, 
all you ones that are down here, Ephesians 6, 10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And there's times you just got to say, Lord, help me to be strong in you, no matter what I'm going through, but even these influences that are trying to come against you. And the day will come when you can be around them and not be influenced, but right now I'm going to tell you right now, you can't go around them. You got to say, okay, Lord, help me. Help me to be strong with you. And don't pick up the phone and call them, okay? It's going to have to avoid them like a plague. Does that mean they're bad people? No, that doesn't mean they're bad people. They're just sinners. And you know what sinners do? They sin. Come on, let's stretch your hands out to these ones down here. Father God, we pray blessings over every one of them. Strong in you today, Lord. Strong in you today. That these influences of this world, we break them right now. Father God, I thank you surround every one of them down here with, with godly believers, godly people that'll love them, tell them the truth, but help them. And Lord, I pray your blessing on them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm going to tell you guys, one of the greatest things that happened in my life is I, I made church an addiction. Every time the church was open, I'd go to church. Sometimes I didn't want to, and I'd find myself going. You know what happened? I got around great people. People that weren't perfect, the people that love you and encourage That's what you got to do. Come around the church here. We'll love you and cast the devil out of you. No, we'll just keep loving you and breathing life on you. And hallelujah. Just stir you up with the things of God. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless all of you. You can be seated if you can. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.